Hello and welcome to Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production. This podcast is brought to you by Kimray. You can visit us at kimray.com to see our full slate of training materials, quick tips, and other resources. I am Curtis Winkle and I'm here today with Kyle Andrews as usual and then Director of Sales Aaron Allen is. How are you Aaron? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be with you guys. I almost called you Allen. I'm sure you've gotten that. That's happened at least a hundred times since coming to Kimray. So (laughs) we've got Kyle surrounded so I feel pretty like in a a strong position there. So that's good. Um, So Aaron we had you on about a year ago ish to talk about just kind of market overview high level what is the industry doing what are some producer trends you're seeing um, so we wanted to do that again we we originally had that scheduled in february uh, a lot of things have happened since february so we've we pushed that out a little bit uh, but i wondered if you just kind of take us through maybe uh high level the things that the industry has experienced over the last you know first quarter 22 and then we'll get into kind of maybe some of the things we talked about last year and and how those are looking in 23. Yeah, certainly. So interesting enough, I think this time last year or soon after, we were talking about negative oil. We were all trying to figure out how how does that even happen, right? Um, And then um, certainly we've seen uh, the market rebound. Uh, We've enjoyed, uh, we've certainly enjoyed the challenges that have come with that. Uh, Part of that's been people uh, having the right people at the right place at the right time. Uh, and just being empathetic to the new challenges that the market has. Uh, some of those challenges uh, with more robust pricing has been, uh, ironically, it's been more capital available. Uh, that capital has been available to spend on initiatives uh, directed toward ESG and becoming more environmentally f- friendly as an oil and gas producer. So uh, that's been a challenge. Um, some of the upward momentum that's carried the market uh, to this new environment uh, has really been contributed to just a really tight supply and demand relationship. Uh, so we've seen global inventories, you know, fall to multi-year lows. Uh, we've seen demand uh, obviously rebound uh, and at a much more aggressive level uh, than previously anticipated uh, due to the, the COVID-19 virus. So uh, those are things that uh, have been challenging, uh, but we've found comfort in those new challenges uh, with this new environment. So $100 oil uh, certainly, uh, plays a positive impact in, in our entire industry. Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, inventories low. So producers, are they drilling new wells or a lot of that capital you said is going to kind of retrofitting current assets? Right. So with the impact that COVID played, uh, we saw a lot of our more prominent U S producers really stick to their, uh, their fiscal commitment, uh, in not growing exponentially with the ebbs and the flows of the market. Uh, so what that may look like is year one, we're 5% growth, year two, we're 5% growth, year three, an additional 5% growth, regardless of the price or the volatility of, of oil. Um, so in a market that maybe we didn't anticipate a year ago, where now they're seeing some record profits due to $100 plus oil, uh, they're reallocating a lot of that free capital back to legacy production to get it up to snuff as it relates to ESG requirements, whether that's local, um, statewide, or federal. Okay. So the, the that extra capital that they're getting, they're not dedicating that to new wells, more drilling rigs. It's They're committed to keeping that consistent with right. their plans. Consistency and stability in maintaining their cost structure has really been the fundamental key uh, attribute that they that they have chosen to focus on. Now, some things that uh, uh, some things that you may be wondering, like, well, how do they do that? We see 
legacy production, as it falls off, naturally the revenue is going to fall off. Uh, they've been able to really mitigate some of that with a lot of the duck inventory that they already had uh, within their portfolio. So uh, by converting that duck inventory to new production, and they've already um, realized the cost of that in past years, uh, it's really brought even more money to their bottom line with more resources available to dedicate to retrofit. And not, not only retrofit, but um, there's also a really um, intense focus on what does it mean once retrofit? What is the long-term uh, stable plan and design that is ESG friendly? As you know, we've all seen the globe needs energy, right? And, and certainly forms of alternative are acceptable, but it's not the total transformation. Like there's going to have to be uh, some sort of substitute that provides it. And, and a lot of producers are looking at doing this in a green way. So, so yeah, you want to talk about some of those ways? So last year we talked about three kind of key areas that, that you know, we at Kimray have been thinking about helping producers produce well, efficiently, sustainably. So sand being a big issue with horizontal wells and fracturing, all the sand coming back. We're making more robust valves to deal with that. Um, we talked about automation and some kind of efficiency gains there. And then emissions being the third uh, kind of leg of that stool of like, you know, since 2020, not only government regulations, but also uh, investor concerns and some of those things. Um, is that still kind of the, the main three we're kind of thinking about? Certainly. Uh, I would I would probably add in there predictability. So uh, with all those efficiency gains that we have now in extending the life of either uh, a set of controls, a valve, um, a piece of production equipment, then the question becomes, okay, if not now, when? When does that fail? What, what is the point of failure? If I've taken care of this as a problem, what is my next mode of failure? So um, through a lot of different uh, technologies that have come to the market and really been pushed to the forefront of the market in the last couple of years, uh, we've gotten better about that. Um, I just think of the, the, the different sensors, uh, the different means of... Uh, uh, just inviting in new technologies that previously were unknown to be in oil and gas, uh, especially on, on the upstream production side. Um, that's, that's been a breath of fresh air for, uh, for the entire industry. And I think it shows the commitment that a lot of our U.S. Uh, producers have in making sure that we're really socially and environmentally uh, responsible as we move forward through the next, uh, through the next decade. Couple of things I want to pick up on there on what you said. So we just on the podcast recently have had two guys talking specifically about data and trends and, and predictability. Um, so Jim and, and and Brad is actually getting ready to, to be on one in compression and one's a, a teacher, but teaching his students, petroleum engineering students uh, primarily about how to read analytics and what uh, data can help them predict when equipment's going to fail. So that definitely seems like something at least, uh, you know, up and coming. Yeah, that's a hot topic for hot. sure. And then the, the emissions piece, you know, Kyle, I, you've been out thinking about this, helping convert some of these uh, valves from yeah. uh, to non-vent. So you want to yeah. talk about some of those product uh, yeah. additions so, we have? Yeah, so, you know, obviously uh, going electric actuators or fully electric, a lot of the new locations that producers are are drilling and setting up are all electric and that goes that fits right into with all this uh, you know data analytics stuff you know it's easy easier to monitor systems like that um, they're all electric 
um, and then you know non-vent um, conversions. We've done a couple uh, videos on that, um, but using compressed air. Um, a lot of producers are moving just to get away from you know uh, pneumatics or using natural gas as a, a pneumatic source completely. Um, are you seeing that in the compression? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we actually uh, uh, we've just recently worked uh, with a with a compressor manufacturer in Kilgore on a lot of automation controls, uh, and then obviously mitigating the risk of any kind of vent uh, for greenhouse gases. So um, it's it's full circle. I mean, it's it's uh, it's on the gas side. It's on the liquid control side. We're we're seeing that uh, with with just about every producer that has um, the capital available to uh, to move those initiatives. Yep, and like you were saying with the with the retrofit, having that extra capital now, people are able to go back to legacy wells and say, okay, we have the capital to retrofit this with you know all electric actuators or set an air compressor and do air for pneumatics yeah. instead of natural gas. Yeah, one, one thing that's been really interesting through that process is the unrealized value at the start of that project. So what, what we've noticed is by going to remote monitoring or some form of automation, now instead of sending you know, a technician a 100-mile round trip to monitor a well, they're doing it remotely. They're pulling that technician off the road, away from his family, her family, and then able to reallocate uh, that resource to something that uh, maybe would be more cost effective for them. So re reducing the risk of any kind of health hazard, uh, reducing the risk of downtime, and then knowing, like you were saying, immediately when something like that uh, arises that's maybe not scheduled. Yeah. And then also just uh, developing those trends and knowing, mm -hmm. being able to predict when something is going to fail. And, you know, that helps preventative maintenance and and you know keeping you up and running curious how i mean so we've talked since 2020 obviously but but how your world has changed i know um in-person meetings are still not happening a ton right so you your teams have they adapted to kind of newer forms of communication or what's that look like yeah it you know it's been a challenge so one thing that uh one thing that was a bit of a challenge for us is internally we like to use microsoft teams that's kind of the mode for any kind of remote uh, training or remote meeting. Um, but externally, we have many different platforms that we go to support. So uh, that was one of the things early on that we did. We had to deploy training for Zoom, for Teams, for Cisco, for uh, you name it. it. It was there was some sort of training required. Right? And so that was a challenge because, I mean, it's not something you use every day. Um, under you know, as, as simple as understanding where the mute button is can be a big <laughs> can be a big indicator yeah. on success uh, yeah. of a meeting. Uh, but yeah, that, it was challenging. Uh, the team did well adapting. Uh, I think one thing that the industry realized, uh, at least with our customers and the relationships that we have, was uh, we're in this together. You know, there 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 wasn't any you know, negligence on one side or the other of you know not maintaining relationships. It was like how do, how are we going to figure this out and and make sure we prosper. So that, that was a bit of a challenge, but I would say there was probably a two to three month learning curve on most of that. And then it's like, okay, so this is here, this is here at least for the foreseeable future. Let's, let's adapt. Um, I will say recently though, it's been a bit refreshing. We just came off a sales training that was in person. Uh, that was really nice. Uh, and, and the, the stories I got to hear from the team uh, was 
really centered, you know, as far as customers go, centered around um, there's actually been a little bit less of remote meetings or Teams meeting, meetings. So um, people are seeing me in the parking lot now on the back of a tailgate uh, or I'm invited back to the safety meeting. Uh, so that's, that's refreshing. Um, I don't know that we'll ever get back to pre-20 levels, but hey, we'll, we'll take the gains uh, on any face-to-face uh, opportunity that we get. Yeah. I think some of the remote work that's been happening has also uh, given us an advantage in certain areas where, you know, people, it almost feels like some people are more accessible now that they're just like, hey, just a, you know, click away from being not face to face, but seeing their face and maybe developing a relationship faster than it would be just over the phone. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah there, there was a bit more uh, on the technical side with kind of somebody walking around with an iPad to, to visually show what normally we would have seen with just a, a quick trip. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's been good. It's not n- certainly not the preference. Uh, we want to be there with you in person, but we've, we've made that work. Yeah. There's definitely been an improvement, like you were saying, uh, on the function of the mute button. Yeah. I remember when we first <laughs> went to remote work and I was trying to provide some remote training yeah. And, you know, we had probably 20, 30 people in this meeting, and it was just chaos. Like, yeah. in the very beginning, yeah. nobody knew when to mute. Yeah. Everybody was awkward on camera, and now, now it's more of a normal thing. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So I know we want to talk about some of the things going on around the Permian in Texas. So Kim Ray has, has made a, an acquisition down there. And so can you talk a little bit about that? You said you were just in Kilgore with some of, of those stores. Yeah, so... Um, 2021, at the end of Q4, we closed out an acquisition of control equipment. Uh, You guys know, uh, but control equipment was our largest and longest tenure distributor. Uh, They went back to 1950. Uh, Five store locations, about 45, 50 people. Uh, And uh, by volume, uh, naturally with them taking care of the Permian Basin, uh, they they represented Kim Ray in in a very large way. Uh, but at the end of that acquisition, uh, I'm happy to say that we retained everybody that planned on coming on board. We had a couple of retirements, um, but overall, I would say that was a, a really big success for, for Kim Ray and really showed our, our strength and partnership with, uh, with our distributorship in control equipment. Um, as far as uh, customer uh, impact, um, we're, we're just more heavily rooted and invested in those areas at this point. Um, there's been uh, certainly a bit of change internally, but externally, I think that uh, we've been much more aggressive uh, with, you know, there's no lapse in communication. Let me check with Kim Ray. It, we are Kim Ray. So uh, that's been a, a really big benefit. And uh, with that change, onboarding 45 people on top of an already, you know, 40 plus established uh, sales organization, uh, naturally we had to adapt and we had to change a bit. So. Previous to the acquisition, we had a north and a south region. Our south regional manager is Clayton Trammell, uh, and he really uh, was responsible for our Kilgore store, our Corpus store, and our Houston store, along with the business development managers in that area. Uh, Jason Andrews was responsible for our distributorships, along with our Oklahoma City store and our PA store. Uh, so with the added um, personnel, we've, we've in addition to, we've added a west region. So. Uh, Scott McNeely, who's a 25-plus year employee at Control Equipment, has uh, has accepted the role of our West Regional Manager, 
and he's got five stores, the five uh, legacy control equipment stores uh, beneath his responsibility. Uh, so we're super excited about that. We've seen, um, you know, we're, we're five months in off an acquisition and we're probably four or five months ahead of where we thought we'd be as far as, you know, culturally and just with two different businesses coming together. Um, it, it's been really exciting. It was a lot of work for uh, a solid year, but we're, we're, uh, we're reaping the benefits of that now with uh, just a seamless customer uh, experience. Really excited about that team. Men and women who know their stuff have been there for a long time. They're in the Permian serving customers. And so, like you said, I don't know what, what customers can expect other than good customer yeah. service, more Kim Ray. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny, too. It's like, you know, just interacting with Scott and with Carl, uh, some of their longer-term employees, uh, some of the mottos, you know, it's like, we don't let anybody answer the phone and talk to a customer until they've been here five years. <laughs> and it's like, they're, they're, they're joking, but they're, yeah. but they're also, that that's how serious they are to their customer commitment and that experience that you have. So, um, that, that was, it's been really exciting to be a part of that. Yeah. Kyle, anything else for Aaron while we got him? I think I'm good. Okay. Aaron, see you next year. Yeah, we'll see you next year. <laughs> no, th thanks for coming on and, and uh, sharing just kind of that, that high-level perspective. We, we, we like to get into a lot of the details and training on this, on this show, but, but it's good to hear, too, just from a producer level, what, 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 uh, what's going on, what the trends are, and, and what we can maybe look forward to. Um, so similar thing, just watching those emissions, um, trying to, to, uh, to help people understand automation, the benefits of some of the analytics and predictability uh, that they can have, and, and uh, some of some good stuff on the horizon. I would say, you know, we've got some things that are cooking that are going to be uh, certainly geared toward uh, those goals that they have. I think we all share similar goals, uh, whether that's the product you make or how you make it. Um, we, are, uh, we are certainly focused on that. So uh, I look forward to, you know, a little bit later this year, uh, uh, seeing the customer response to, to really listening to what initiatives they have. So thank you guys for having me on board. Yeah, of course, man. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll have uh, notes to some of the resources and things we mentioned in this episode show notes, and we'll catch you next time on Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production. <laughs>